This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. Welcome to this week's program. And Michael, I listen to this program as often as I can. I know you and Susan listen too, don't you? We do, but Wayne, it's amazing how many times Saturday night at 9 o'clock we'll uh, look at each other and realize, oh, we Forgot missed to turn the radio. Oh, on. we missed it. <laughs> and so now that we have it on the web, we can listen to it anytime we want. It makes it much more convenient, doesn't it? Michaelcard.com. Well, we're grateful for everyone who is tuned in right now, and we uh, hope to reward you with some conversation around the word here. A little mm-hmm. bit later on, we're going to uh, respond to a listener's email question, and then Buddy Green comes by the studio in the second half of our program. It's today. always great to have Buddy around. What a good brother! I hope he brings a suitcase full of harmonicas. Oh, he will. He will, <laughs> and a guitar. I hope. <laughs> okay. We'll get to hear from Buddy in the second half of our program. But in the first half of our program, we welcome back your wife, Susan. Susan, welcome Thank to, you. Uh, in the studio here. Thank you. Last time we talked, it was uh, during the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. That was a program I listened to, by the way, really? and uh, enjoyed very much the conversation centered on, on Mary. Right. We, and today we'll continue talking about Mary and her presence in Jesus's life. Mm-hmm. Don't have a lot of details, though, do we here? No. W- wouldn't, wouldn't you wish for more? Yes. I'm I'm one of those I like a lot of detail mm-hmm. it, with any story Mike tells me he never quite gives me enough information <laughs> and uh, it, it, you know he's not the only one that does it but I, I found it frustrating when I uh, tried to read about Mary's presence in his life and just didn't quite find enough information or I'd want more information and huh. And, um, and what that is then is an invitation for us to use our imaginations. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. sometimes the Scripture wants us to do that. I mean, the Lord wants us to do that as we read His Word. I was also just thinking that we've got a long time through eternity to sit down and talk about all the details yeah. right. uh, as well. It'll, it'll be a, a fun part of what yeah. uh, what our life in Christ will be at but that I th- point. I think what Susan said is important. Uh, Mary is a continuous presence in His life. I mean, certainly uh, in the nativity, but... Uh, we see her there uh, all through the ministry. I mean, she's there. We're going to look at a passage in just a second uh, when Jesus was a little boy, when he gets lost in the temple and Mary is there. And then all through the ministry of Jesus, she pops up again and again. Early mm-hmm. in the ministry mm-hmm. in Mark, she's there. And, and we'll look at some of those passages. Well, we usually start the program with one of your songs, Michael. We're going to hold off just for a couple of minutes here, and uh, listeners will see why we want the song to fit right into our study time mm-hmm. here today. So get us started, Susan. Where should, we, where should we begin? Well, I'd like for you to start in Luke chapter 1, verse 32. Mm-hmm. And I'm having you start there because I would like to get a... a picture of Mary, of who she was as a person, as she is in what I like to call holy tension, living on earth, living the practical dailiness uh, of a fallen world, and also the awareness of God and his His coming into the world. So not Mary and, as this plastic figure, uh, but Mary is a real person who has to get up and clean things and mm-hmm. get the meals ready. And as you were talking earlier, she has all of the Jewish... Uh, uh, cleanliness, kosher laws that she has to take exactly. care of. Exactly. She's exactly fulfilling those. Probably has more chores than, than I can imagine yeah. to fulfill the law. And according to several times here in Scripture, she that's what they do. In, in order to fulfill the law, they attended Passover mm-hmm. every year. In order to fulfill the law, they took Jesus into the temple to have him circumcised. Mm-hmm. And so she's a faithful Jewish woman. But the reason I want you to start here, I'll just go ahead and read. Okay. Again, uh, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 32, and you just stop me when you think we've gone far enough here, Susan. Uh, this is Gabriel continuing mm-hmm. the explanation to Mary about this miraculous miraculous thing that's about to happen. And Gabriel says, he will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And you would think, wow, that's a big deal. But what does Mary say in response to that? She asks a question, but how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. Right. That's and it's, it's like it's a practical concern. <laughs> yeah, you know, good. you're going to have a baby. <laughs> Look at who he's going to be. And she goes, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Wow. And so I, I've just seen this practical side to Mary that, you know, but then after that, she kind of wakes up and goes, oh, OK, I, I'm the Lord's servant. And yeah. may it be as you have said. Mm-hmm. And she meets that with a very practical obedience. Right. You know? Yeah, that's a great point. So I think immediately you see in Mary um, that, what you know, for a better phrase, holy tension. Mm. She She's very much in the practical and yet at the same time is aware of the spiritual and then responds 
And in response to that, she hurries to Elizabeth mm-hmm. to find out if it's true. So, you, which was no easy journey, by the no. way. No, and so you know that she's excited about this. That mm-hmm. this is this is something that she's either looking forward to or can't believe, or mm-hmm. has to go see if it's true about Elizabeth. Well, or, and she didn't demand a sign from God. God gave her that sign. He says, you know, even your relative Elizabeth. So, mm-hmm. like you said, Mary goes, and lo and behold, when she gets there, mm-hmm. Elizabeth is expecting a child. And mm-hmm. then she, the Mary's song, as yeah. recording in scripture, so beautiful. Which so reveals her understanding of the scriptures yep. because it really is, is it, isn't it Michael quoting the Old Testament? It's the Psalms, yeah. It's yeah. a wonderful song. Huh. All right. It's so, beautiful. So that's where we start here as we think about it. It's a great Mary. place to start. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that at first. Yeah, well, wonderful. good. I surprised yeah. you. Yes. Okay, surprise yeah. us again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, beginning in Luke 2, verse 25, um, if you would start there. Okay, Michael, you'll do that for us. We're reading from the New Living Translation here, by the way. I love this story. Now, there was a man named Simeon who lived in Jerusalem. He was a righteous man and very devout. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he eagerly expected the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required... Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Lord, now I can die in peace, as you promised me. I've seen the Savior you've given to all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Joseph and Mary were amazed at what was being said about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, This child will be rejected by many in Israel, and it will be their undoing but he will be the greatest joy to many others. Thus, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. And I think that's Mm. very important to to take out every text that involves Mary, where she has been given information. It starts Mm. with Gabriel, and then in Simeon, Simeon gives her that. What a message for a mother Mm. who's standing there holding a baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then Anna comes up right at that moment and also praises, affirms, mm-hmm, affirms mm-hmm. what Simeon says. And then the parents and the the next thing we know, Jesus is growing in wisdom and stature and they find themselves obeying the custom of the law and going to Passover in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But does Mary have any idea when Simeon tells her that a, soul, a sword is going to pierce her soul? I wonder if she has any idea. I mean, she's a young woman. Wonder if she has any idea what that means. I don't know because in the next story, where they go to the temple and Jesus stays behind, mm-hmm. they lose him. They're anxious. They go back to find him, which you know, which would be like any parent. <laughs> did uh, did you and Michael ever lose a child in a mall oh, or something? Yes, <laughs> and the adrenaline rush is mm-hmm. just incredible. Well, and they lost him for three days. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would yeah. tend to uh, create some anxiety, yeah. wouldn't it? Yes, and there's no passing information quickly, calling on a telephone, or, <laughs> you know, you had to walk all the way back. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but I, mean, I think also it's a different, it's a slightly different time in terms of... Uh, the culture. Hmm. Um, even so. Even to so. To be separated for that length of yeah, time. Yeah, from a 12-year-old boy. Yes. And um, in Scripture, we, we read Mary's response to that. You were asking, do you, do you think she knew or did, do you think she understood what he meant? And yet when they lose him in the temple and she confronts Jesus, says, why have you done this to us? Mm-hmm. We were worried for you. He says, but why, ha- why did you need to search? He asked, you should have known that I would be in my father's house. But they didn't understand what he meant. Yeah. Hmm. So I think, I don't think she always understood yeah. what people were saying. I think she treasured these things in her heart. I think she pondered them. But there's there's no, huh. you know, think about their life situation. There's no there's no point of reference. You know, today we right. have libraries full of references and and we can look into the lifestyle in Egypt or, you know, right. any of these ancient civilizations and she she didn't have that. Yeah. She obviously knew God was at work here. I mean, she had mm-hmm. given birth to a baby, right. a virgin birth mm-hmm. to a baby, but that but was she 12 didn't years have a whole ago. Picture. That was 12 years ago. Yeah. A lot happens in 12 years. Uh, good point. And well, and I like the uh, where you're going with this too, this idea that uh Luke closes that story by saying they didn't understand. Well, the next time we see Mary in the story of Jesus, she's also going to be, uh, she's going to misunderstand him. 
that passage in Mark uh, 3 where she thinks uh, Jesus is out of his mind. She has heard that he hasn't been eating. He has been so caught up in ministry hmm. that he hasn't even taken the time to eat. That sounds like a mother, doesn't it? It does. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she and uh, the brothers, uh, do you have the passage there, Susan? Mm-hmm. Here in Mark chapter 3, verse 20, when Jesus returned to the house where he was staying, the crowds began to gather again, and soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. Mm-hmm. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him home with them. He's out of his mind, they said. But the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, He's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. Mm-hmm. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the story skips down, and they finally arrive. And they send word for Jesus to come in. And what happens? What does he say? Well, in verse 33, Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, These are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now, I wonder if she heard that, how that might have felt. And it makes me think, too, of the other passage where there's a lady who shouts from the crowd, you know, blessed, you know, is the mother that gave you birth and that sort of thing. And Jesus said, no, blessed are the people who hear God's word and obey Mm -hmm. it. And that, again, I mean, it's one thing to hear that from the crowd. But if you're Mary and you hear that, what do you think? You think... Mm-hmm. Feel some rejection, wouldn't you? I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. Would you? I mean, if she understood, or maybe if she didn't understand. Again, right? I think I think she goes back and forth, mm-hmm. as any of us. But that's me using my imagination. Mm-hmm. I don't know, um, but I would imagine that sometimes she understands and can remember the prophecies, and then other times, it makes no sense at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's part of that holy tension you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, that we're all caught up in. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have the revelation of, of Jesus as well, but but then again, he confuses us or we think maybe he doesn't come through or maybe some even even times we feel some rejection and, and we don't know what to do. And sometimes I have an expectation, I guess, on her because I'm reading from an outside point of view. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, like when the shepherds come right after they've seen the angels and they're celebrating the baby's birth. And and M- Mary ponders this. She mm-hmm. treasures this in her heart. There's there's angels that have just appeared. Yeah. And then not long after that, the, the wise men come when he's a young child and they deliver their gifts. And then Joseph takes her away quickly to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And they were bound to have heard of the, of the slaying of mm-hmm. all the babies being killed. Mm-hmm. And I always wonder... What did she think of all that? This yeah. is a huge, you know. She might have even known some of the mothers right, and the that children. that lost their child. Mm. Yeah. And what, what did she do with that? Yeah. Well, as we continue to think about the uh, presence of Mary in the life of Jesus, I'm, I'm thinking probably we're going to the miracle at Cana next mm-hmm. in our study here. Let's, let's let Michael's song introduce this to that us. Should we pause right now for that? Uh, Michael, will you sing the wedding for us? Certainly. All right. Michael Card in the studio. Please come to this wedding, take the doubt and darkness away. Turn the water of lifeless living to the wine of gladness we pray. Mother Mary's gently requesting that you might do Whatever you can, though she may be impatient, she loves you, and so she asks what she can't understand. Lord of life, please come to this wedding, take the doubt and darkness away. Turn the water of lifeless living to the we pray I really like the gentleness and the li- but also the liveliness in that song mm-hmm. that that you wrote. I Thank do appreciate you. it. Thank you. Um and I also think that in the song you capture the tension we've been talking mm-hmm. about. Because even you are talking about two different things. Mm-hmm. You're applying the practical, but you're also inserting. Um, yeah, 
I've never seen it that way. But again, Mary is concerned with the practical. They're Mm -hmm. out of wine. You make the connection between the spiritual and the practical within within the song, Mm -hmm. within the lyrics. Mm Mm-hmm. I love the tension there uh, that exists between Jesus and Mary. Um, he, he, he calls her woman. Some people think that's harsh. That really isn't uh, harsh. Uh, the, the Greek word is gune. It's the word we get gyne- gynecological from. It reads kind of harsh to us today in our, it, in our context. It does, it? but I really think a good translation for it is my dear. Ah, dear, okay, yeah. and uh, so he's not being disrespectful in any way. No, I mean he he, he would or impatient. Know. No, I don't think so. But he's basically telling her, if I do this now, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna reveal who I am, and my time hasn't come. And John is very sensitive about this idea. In John, in the Gospel of John, again and again and again, they'll try to arrest him. John says his time had not yet come. His time had not yet come, which always points to the fact that a time is coming for Jesus. But Jesus says, you know, in essence, you don't know what you're asking for. Mm-hmm. But Mary, and, and again, like Susan, I need more detail to know what's going on. But Mary then just goes to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Matter of factly. She, she knows mm-hmm. he's going to do something. But how can she imagine? Well, well, that's kind of the question, you know, because everyone wonders, what was it like to raise Jesus? Mm -hmm. Did he actually show any power? It doesn't say he did. Mm -hmm. It says that he grew in wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And John says this is his first miracle. So Mm -hmm. maybe this was the very first one. Right. And so you don't know if she anticipates him. If she's just going to him like, well, he's the oldest son. Help me out here. Yeah, I'm in go, a bind. Go, go, go get do some something. Wine. Yeah. You wonder if there were household miracles, though, <laughs> yeah. that just Mary observed or if yeah. this well, is his first public miracle, right. you know. Yeah. But this is the practical because the, the way for a wedding banquet to come to a grinding halt is for the, the host to run out of wine. And she knows that, the, you know, this is a bad thing. There's a tradition that says that this is John's wedding. And since Mary is John's aunt, hmm. she feels some responsibility. See, I see. She may even be one of the hostesses, like of this party, and so she, maybe not quite frantic, but she is. You know, she's very adamant that Jesus do something. Well, what does this reveal to us about Mary? The uh, the episode at the wedding. Well, the simplest thing it reveals is that she's there. I mean, she is. She's this, actively involved where Jesus is involved. And yeah, she is this presence with Jesus, right? And um, some people think, well, she's there with the women helping to, to take care of Jesus. And I think that's probably true. But I think it's also probably as true. Uh, she is, by as far as we know, she's a widow. Hmm. So she may be there for Jesus to take care of her as well. In fact, here, I mean, she's basically coming to Jesus for help. So, I mean, the simplest observation we can make is that she's there. She is present with Jesus. We know she's with him to the very end Hmm. on the cross. But there's more, I think. And Susan, while we don't have the details, uh, I guess we can assume from this that she was actively involved in, in Jesus' life. Oh, absolutely. I mean, after this story, they travel, she travels on with him to Capernaum. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then they eventually go to Jerusalem for the Passover, the first time he cleanses the temple and turns the tables over. Um, although I don't know that she was there f- for that particular, it doesn't say that she was there for that. But mm-hmm. she traveled with him, yeah. and she was present. And I think, you know, just by reading Scripture, the only conclusion we can come to— well, the conclusion we can come to is that she fulfilled the Jewish laws. And to understand her better, you have to understand the customs of the day. Mm-hmm. And she fulfilled those. So she would be the typical hostess at a wedding. Well, here, here's, a whole, here's a whole other direction, and we may not even want to pursue this, but it just occurred to me how God at this point was using Mary in Jesus' life. Now, uh, I mean, obviously, I know Jesus is perfect, and he, is, he wants to be perfectly obedient to God. He, he believes that it's not his time yet. Uh, Mary, even though obviously she doesn't know everything that's going on, she can't. She, she is the motivation Isn't that for, interesting. for Jesus to do his first miracle. She kind of pushes mm-hmm. a little bit in uh, human terms. Sort of. Mm-hmm. Or, or we could say it this way. God used Mary at this point to ah. to move, I wouldn't say push, yeah. but God is using Mary to move Jesus on out, almost like kicking out of the nest. You know, and, and, and John says he revealed his glory. This mm-hmm. is the first time God's he revealed glory his glory. God's glory was revealed. Well, just one last point about this. Uh, Jesus says, my time has not yet come. That's mm-hmm. the first time we assume that Mary has heard him say those words. Maybe mm-hmm. the first time anyone has heard him say those words, but it's not the last time that he says that. No. 
And I, I like what Susan said about the holy tension. Uh, here is Mary uh, representing um, uh, two, the two sides. I mean, she is the one through whom Jesus is born. God used her to, to, to birth Jesus into the world. So she certainly has a connection to the, the holiness. But at the same time, she's the practical one who mm-hmm. sees that there's no wine and something needs to be done. And she's caught in that ten- tension. And she doesn't always understand what he means. Yeah. Like the reference, you know, why did you come look for me? Uh, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? And they didn't understand what he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's safe to assume here that she didn't understand. Huh. She didn't understand what she was asking for. And I think that's sort of what Jesus implies. Mm-hmm. Why do you involve me in this? I see. see? Okay. But uh, nonetheless, he still uh, is obedient in one, sen- in one sense to his mother, and God uses Mary to direct Jesus' life. So she's a very important person. Well, of course, there is another episode of Mary in the Scriptures, and that's when she is at the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus. But that deserves its own full-length conversation. Uh, so uh, if you two will agree to do this, we'll reconvene here sure. uh, next time Susan can be with us here in the studio. But Susan, before you leave today, I'd love for you to hear, along with uh, Michael here, an email that we received in response to a recent program. Michael, you'll remember that you sang the song Underneath the Door mm-hmm. at a recent live concert program that we did. That was at Cedarville. Cedarville University. Uh-huh. And you... Explain that the song you thought was bad because it required an explanation. Right, and, right. In general, it's good songs yeah. don't need to be explained. Yeah, <laughs> okay. right. And that elicited a response uh, that day from, from the audience. Well, here's an email following up that uh, program from a woman who says that she also disagrees with the man in the audience who thought this was your best song ever mm-hmm. for this reason. She said, our Nathan, her son... Uh, committed suicide when he was 21 years old, which Mm. was 14 years ago. Mm. And she says, there's always been this nagging in the Uh. back of my mind and deep in my heart that if I had been there for him, would he still be here with Mm. us? And then let me read just a short paragraph here that she writes. But when I heard your testimony and music, it was as if God reached right into my heart and grabbed all of the guilt and hurt and pain and literally ripped it out. Mm. She says, I began to cry as you told your story and sang your song. And the longer you talked and sang, the more I cried and the better I began to feel. Mm. By the time you were finished with the song, I was exhausted from crying. Mm. But I felt so free and so clean inside. I asked God to forgive me, and I asked Nathan, her son, to forgive me for all the times that I neglected him. It seems as though something like this never goes away completely. Mm. There's always something that needs healing, either for the first time or a second or a third time. Definitely. But I truly feel free of that awful guilt now. So that was the impact of that one song here on the broadcast. Isn't that great? Well, and and I think what what we see happening there, and and this always goes through my mind, and and by the way, thank you uh, for sharing that. Yes. I mean, what we what we see in that email is how the Holy Spirit works. I mean, it 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 has very little to do necessarily with what I wrote or what, with what I sang, but the process as she describes it, as she was listening, the the Holy Spirit began to work in her heart, and that to me is is a glorious thing to see. I mean, reaching back in and taking guilt and dealing with it, so that she said, you know, as you as you sang, she said something like, I, you know, I continue to weep, mm-hmm. and that's that's the Holy Spirit just cleansing and doing His work. Susan, do you see it that way as well? Oh, yeah, I do, and I also understand. I was fortunate to get to read the entire email, and she referred to um, having to visit these issues, um, not just once, but several times. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that she may have to deal with it again. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated her, her real, um, her real approach to this, Mm -hmm. because um, frequently, Michael and I've experienced, it's not a once and for all, it's taken care of, it is the process of walking with the Lord daily, surrendering our weaknesses daily and past bruises or hurts. And the healing lasts a lifetime sometimes. Yeah. It's a re-surrender, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But God is so faithful to bring us to those points and then use little doors or little keys like a song or like, uh, uh, you know, a word uh, or uh, something from nature, a beautiful uh, sunset or whatever. He uses all kinds of bizarre things <laughs> to, to open up those little windows for us to find that kind of healing. And I just think it's, 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 a, it's a, one of the reasons for, for praising him that he's so good to us that he would use, a, you know, a radio program or something to deal with someone in, 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 in this sort of way to me is just amazing. <laughs> 
I guess even as we read this email, and by the way, it came to us from Pam, but even as we read this one, I'm thinking of all the other parents out there and all the other life situations where people are just carrying a weight of guilt. Oh, and uh, I just yeah. wonder if we can spend our last minute together just praying that oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. that people would, would uh, turn to Christ with that burden that they're carrying around. Yeah. Michael uh, and Susan, would you lead us in prayer? Yeah, Susan, sure. you want to start? I'll start. Lord God, I want to pray for all the listeners um, and and for those who aren't listening, but um, we are a people who can be so easily gripped by fear um, that we're not getting things right, that we're not the perfect parent or the perfect spouse. And I just pray that you would free us from that. Yes, we we do need to be faithful, Lord, but we also have to make room for you in the lives of our children and in the lives of our spouses. And so I pray, Lord God, that we not put, we not try to wear your shoes Mm -hmm. in our relationships with our children or with our spouses, but that we would allow you to be God and, and to do those works on our behalf. And Jesus, I want to praise you that you alone are the one that can take guilt away because Mm -hmm. you took it upon yourself, all of it. And so you're the one who can come to uh, someone like Pam who is suffering and feeling that guilt. And as she said, you can rip that out. You can cleanse that completely. And you are so worthy to be praised for this because the burden that you've taken on, that you took on on the cross for us, uh, such uh, an unimaginable burden, but you took it on because you loved us. And we praise you because you love us so well and that you, you expressed it perfectly by dying for us. So we we praise you for who you are and we lift you up and magnify you and thank you for being who you are. Amen. You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card and I want to remind you to feel free to pass along your prayer requests and Bible questions. Our email address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. And as always, please take a moment and let us know what you think of this program. Here's a note we just received. Terry writes, I recommend your show to others. I most appreciate the insights into the Bible that I've never been taught before. Please continue to make the Bible teaching the cornerstone of your show. Well, Terry, the Word of God is at the heart of Michael's ministry, and this radio program is just one way it is demonstrated. For a complete picture, stop by our website and learn more. We're easily found at www.michaelcard.com. Coming up in the second half, we'll get to meet with recording artist Buddy Green. We'll have a great time talking and hearing his music performed right here at the studio at Mole End. We'll be right back after this break on the Moody Broadcasting Network. We are in the studio with Michael Card and with Buddy Green playing the harmonica. Buddy Green, welcome. <laughs> Good to be here. Mike, you've played the harmonica. You, Not you, like that. No. <laughs> Not like that. Buddy, when did you learn uh, to play like that? Well, I've been playing for about 30 years. Wow. I started in college, uh, probably 18, 19 years old. Huh. I've been playing music for a while, though, and so yeah. I caught on rather quickly Yeah, uh, just from the knowledge I have from guitar and uh-huh. singing and stuff. How would you compare that to learning another instrument? It's a easy. It's an easy instrument to get started on, you know, because you blow into it and you get a chord, yeah. and mm-hmm. suck into it and you yeah. get a chord. But to get it to sound like you just got it to yeah. sound. Yeah, I mean, right away, the you know the first problem is playing single note melodies, and because the holes are so close together, uh-huh. and so that always seems to be the first hurdle. And then once you get past that, then you want to start making those cool sounds, you know, <laughs> the bending you know, the notes, you bend and all the that note, stuff. get yeah. that train whistle and all that stuff. <laughs> And that, then it gets as hard as probably any other any other instrument. Well, now, you, do you not have a degree that was focused on harmonica? Did somebody say you had a degree, a classical degree? No, harmonica? no. Where I, did I hear that? I don't have any 
formal okay. music training. That was another another part of the myth that has grown around. <laughs> yes, yes, they're just other than the school dropping up all around me. Well, <laughs> he does play some classical. I mean, the, my first introduction to you was hearing William Tell Overture on the harmonica, and I'm not. We're not going to ask you to do that because I'm sure you're tired well, of playing it. It's a it's a definitely an abridged version of the song yeah. that I come up with. <laughs> There's a neat story behind that song, though. That was you know I was. I learned harmonica at the same time that I was playing bars and taverns, and that was my school of hard knocks down uh-huh. in Georgia. And we were usually treated about like a jukebox in the corner, you know, mm-hmm. just ignored most of the time. <laughs> so I was always trying to come up with, with little tricks uh, on the harmonica that would get the attention back up on stage. Now, was that with Buddy's Buddies? No, that was that. Buddy's Buddies was a, was a, a high school group. Okay. Because uh, I ran into one of your high school friends, and I said, I, I need as much information on Buddy Green as I can. And that's the one I remembered, that you had a group. Buddy's Buddies, preceded yeah. by the Flying Beatles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In which that all started about age 10 or 11, and huh. it lasted through high school. But no, this was, yeah. I, I was in several little combos in my throughout my 20s and I was and I was learning the harmonica then too and uh but anyway that was the way you know people if you started doing something like the William Tell Overture on the harmonica they'd get their attention That's yeah. unique yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, buddy uh you you came here to this studio and recorded a uh, song with Mike for his uh, latest yeah. album Fragile Stone yeah. uh, walking on the water yeah and and buddy has helped uh, helped on other records as well so we we've, we've known each other yeah i, I think i played a little oh, harmonica uh, on your lullaby record you of did yours. Huh. yeah you did now uh that walking on the water song Mike that's on the Fragile Stone CD mm-hmm. that's bluegrass that's right and, and uh, buddy bluegrass i mean where where do you, where does bluegrass fit in here well i just fell in love with it um, about the same time that I was learning the harmonica, um, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, that album with mm-hmm. the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, mm-hmm. uh, it did to me what it did to millions of, of people out there mm-hmm. playing you know, guitars. And just sort of, into, I was into, by this time, already into the roots of music. I was yeah. digging a lot of old blues stuff. And, and so when I heard this, the authenticity of guys like Doc Watson and yep. Roy Acuff and Jimmy Martin, and you know, they just it just grabbed me, and I yeah. never got over it. So yeah. I'm not really, you know, I'm not a purebred bluegrass guy, but I've I've just loved it. It's become a part of my hybrid I'll ever since you, there's then. There's nobody better at it. Mm. Uh, who's Rufus? It's me. <laughs> Is that your middle name? I confess. Is that your middle name? Though? Yeah, uh, Lee Rufus Green the Third. Okay. Uh, All right. Proper moniker. All right. But... So that's where your new CD title, <laughs> Rufus, comes from. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, and when I first moved to town, uh, which back in uh, 84, actually before, for a year I, I, I commuted back and forth from Atlanta because I had gotten a job with Jerry Reed, the country music entertainer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy that got me the job was already in the band. He was the band captain. His name was Buddy Blackman. So... Jerry couldn't handle but one buddy in the band when it came to naming people on stage at night. So he said, we got to come up with a new name for you. And he started making up stuff. And I said, well, hold on. just How about Rufus? And he just went, Rufus? Man. And it just was the handle he loved. And um, so for four years while I was in that band, I was just known as Rufus and, okay. and introduced myself to Hence people. Hence the that title of your latest CD, yeah. Rufus. Well, it seemed like, you know, it was kind of hard to figure out what to call that record. And Rufus, it, it just has one of those sort of friendly, uh, evocative rings to it, yeah. you know. and Non-threatening. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to spending this whole half of the program here yes. with Buddy. Uh, we're right in the studio, this uh, wonderful place where Mike makes a lot of his music. And you've made some here too, Buddy. You mm-hmm. want to make some for us right now, as a matter of fact? What, yeah. Can you do something from the new CD? Yeah, we're talking about Rufus. Let me see if I can. Uh... And Rufus, by the way, was chosen by the Chicago Tribune. Yes, I happened to pick up the Sunday edition of the Chicago Tribune not too long ago, yeah. and it was one of their 10 best of the year. In right? the bluegrass category. The bluegrass, yeah. yeah. yeah I was, Congratulations. Uh, I was thrilled. Well, thank yeah. you. Thanks. <laughs> well, I'll do a, um, a little um, version of a song that I, I heard done really as a f- fast bluegrass song, but then I slowed it down one day. Turned into a bluesy thing, and of course Kenny Meeks, my good friend who plays with me, he loved that. So, rocking a weary land. Well, our Lord is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Well, my Lord is a rock in a weary land. Shelter in the time for the storm Will not stop and let me tell you about 
Chapter one, when the Lord and God's work had just begun, well, now stop and let me tell you about chapter two, when the Lord and God had preached that Bible through, well, now stop and let me tell you about chapter three, when the Lord and God had died upon Calvary, well, my Lord is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, yeah, a weary land, oh, my Lord is a rock in a weary land, my shelter in the time of the storm, well, now stop and let me tell you about chapter four, when the Lord and God visited among the poor. Stop and let me tell you about chapter five when the Lord and God he raised up all the dead alive. Well, now stop and let me tell you about chapter six when he went up to Jerusalem and healed the sick. Well, my Lord is a rock in a weary land, a weary land, a weary land. Well, my Lord is a rock in a weary Shelter in the time of the storm Tell you about chapter seven when he died and he risen and he went up to heaven. Well, stop and let me tell you about chapter eight when the Lord and God he stood at that golden gate. Well, now stop and let me tell you about chapter nine or when the Lord God he turned all that water to wine. Well, my Lord is a rock in a Live right here in the studio with Michael Card. That's Buddy Green who's uh, with us here. And uh, boy, that was great, Buddy. Thank you. Thanks. I needed a picker on that. I had to. Be my own instrument. <laughs> pretty good, though. <laughs> you guys uh, always amaze me how you can just pick it up and just go like that, though. I mean, uh, how do you remember all the Necessity. all the words to those songs as you're singing them? I don't a lot of the times. I'm, uh, I, in fact, the longer I do this, the more I find myself scrambling for words. I've really? learned too many songs and played too many, so um, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not any easier anyway. Well, Mike, let's let's talk to Buddy as we normally do with guests come to the studio about uh, why they do what they do. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's important for us to understand how the Lord calls different people to different things. Well, I remember uh, our first long conversation. I think you just signed a record deal, and you were uh, um, you wanted to talk about how to. You you said something like, "What do I talk about?" <laughs> remember that discussion? Or, yeah, I had a real uh, quandary over because I was trained to be an entertainer. Yeah. And I was going into this world where the message was everything. Yeah. And it was really spooking me. And I didn't. So I was listening to people like Michael. I mean, and I knew the power of someone who could communicate the gospel from a platform and a musician doing that and using songs and all. So, you know, I wanted to find out from people like Michael, how do you do this? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I don't. <laughs> I couldn't tell him. I don't know. So I, I wasn't any help. But, but, but what what, what I remember was that shortly after uh, that, uh, I went to praise gathering. You were hosting praise gathering, okay? And there was like twenty thousand people. And Buddy, it was like Frank Sinatra. He oh. like had the whole room right in the palm of his hand. I thought, Buddy doesn't need anybody to tell him what to say. Well, that was you know. Entertainment is something that I have done for a long time, and that that is what I cut my teeth on. Um, and it's something I genuinely enjoy, enjoy doing is helping people relax and have mm -hmm. a good time. And, mm -hmm. 
And, and you know, going back to that, that time, it really was, there was a real quandary going on, and, and I became more and more self-conscious about the entertainer aspect of me, because I go to yeah. churches, and, you know, and you'd have a, you know, a, the pastor or whoever would say, now, buddy, don't entertain us, you know. <laughs> yeah, buddy's we, not here to entertain we us. We want ministry, yeah. you know, yeah. and this, and I was just freaking out about, you know, oh, man, they've hired the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> and... And I remember one time I was at a men's retreat and playing golf with this guy. In fact, he was one of the speakers. And and the night before we had, uh, I had played my harmonica and just done some, a friend came up to me and said, hey, get up and play your harmonica. This, these men are all uptight and just break the ice. And so I just had fun with the harmonica for about 20 minutes. In fact, they, they had trouble getting me off the stage so that the speaker could get up and talk. And, <laughs> and so the next day we were playing golf. The speaker said to me, he says, uh, buddy, you know, you're, you're a great entertainer. That was great last night what you did. And I said, well, you know, that's not really what I do. You know, I'm really a minister of the gospel and all this. And he just mm-hmm. looked at me like, man, what is your problem? <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, you know, you just need to get over that. You're an entertainer, and Jesus shines through you, and the world needs that. Yeah. You know, and and it was just one of the most freeing things I ever heard. Um, and I went home and really thought about that a lot, and I said, yeah, that really is that really is what I, 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 God's been making out of me all these years. <laughs> yeah. And if I can get the gospel communicated through that, fine. Yeah, and you do. That's what's so wonderful about it. I think, it, it, you know, Jesus is obviously a very entertaining person, to be around, mainly because you never know what he's going to say or do next. But certainly entertainment isn't the point. It's the, it's the byproduct of something, uh, of a gift, of something that's done well. Yeah. And, and that's, so, that's so obvious in your life. Well, so be you. Yeah, well, thanks. And, when, and it helps me uh, yeah. to do that. I, I know I'm a lot less self-conscious when I can just relax and entertain, play music, have a good time. And I, and I, and I believe more and more, too, in the, just the power of a song as a vehicle yeah. for the gospel. Mm-hmm. It can, you know, the song communicates much better than any of my commentary can yeah. <laughs> help it along, mm-hmm. you know. Talk to us a little bit more about that transition time uh, when, when you came to the Lord and you knew that this was a, a turning point in your life, buddy. Well, it was about the same time that I went to work for Jerry Reed. Um, it was a slow process, actually. And, um, but by that time, I was at least confiding in a few friends that I was believing in Jesus and starting to show up at church occasionally and hmm. and the first year with Jerry was really a hard year but it was a good year because I was going out with uh you know I was in the world of country music entertainment mm-hmm. and and when I'd get around a bunch of people that were you know being worldly in their ways I just joined right in with them you know yeah. and I, I definitely knew how to do that and then I'd come home and go to church and just feel guilty and <laughs> and uh and after about a year of that, I remember going to my pastor one day and saying, um, you know, I'm not doing well out on the road. I'm just, you know, I'm a hypocrite and I'm living this double life and I, maybe I ought to just give it all up and go play Christian music. And he goes, well, great. I mean, you got any uh, open doors in Christian music? And I said, well, no, not really, but I just thought I'd quit and maybe it would happen. And he said, well, whoa, whoa. He said, you know, if you just tried being faithful where you are. And uh, wow. he said, you know, you don't. It's not like you got to just become a holy man overnight, but why don't you just ask for a little faith to take a little baby step? And so, you know, I'd I'd be mm. going out on the road, and you know, Lord, if there's any pot smoking this weekend, help me just to pass it up, you know, and just, you know, if the joint comes my way, I'll pass it to the next guy. How about that, God? Can you just give me strength for that? And I'd come home from a trip, and 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 I wouldn't have indulged, and and um, so. There were just a number of instances like that throughout the next three or four years that I had that job where, you know, I just asked God to help me, and he did. Bless the heart of that pastor gave you that advice, too. Great advice, yeah. Yeah. And then when the door finally did open to go into Christian music, it was such an obvious thing. It was, um, you know, I couldn't have uh, orchestrated it any better. Um, and and, And it also gave me some time. I think I really needed time to be... Uh, in a worldly situation to realize that, you know, it's important that Christians yeah. know how to be in the world, but yeah. not of it. And, yeah. 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 Wow. That's so interesting. Wow. It's just so much fun to see how God works in different people's lives. And, and uh, buddy, thanks. You, know, you got another yeah. song? You want to do another song here? What do you think, Michael? Can we? Hey. Uh, <laughs> I know he's got some more lurking down inside him there. He's going to pick up the guitar here now. Well, you know, we, um, when I started into Christian music, um, it was through um, the Gaithers, Bill and Gloria Gaither. 
I was invited to play it at, at this praise gathering event back in 86 when I was still in Jerry's band. And shortly after that, they asked me to go out on the road with them. And that was a great, another great learning place because mm-hmm. Bill, oh, yeah. Bill is, is an entertainer, <laughs> but he's also someone who really wants to help mm-hmm. an audience worship and see Christ. And so I, it was just great to sit up huh. there night after night and watch him. <laughs> and then I would just get up and do my song and then sit back down, you know, and then I'd watch and take notes. Is it a compliment to call Bill the Godfather? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he really, he's, he's the P.T. Barnum of Christian music is what he is. And... Um, <laughs> And his wife, Gloria, is just, uh, she is a jewel. I mean, just yeah, she's wonderful. She's a thinker. And she's she, a great thinker yeah. and wonderfully gifted as a writer and communicator. And um, one, we've written a few songs together. And let's see if I can do this one. And I don't do this song much, but I really love, I love this as an example of how she can paint a picture. Hmm. One day I brought her a, a melody that was complete. I had done this whole song, and I said, can you come up with something? And she heard this little three-note phrase, and she said, come with me. What about Jesus calling his disciples? Hmm. I said, great. She said, well, play. And an hour later, she'd written this. Come with me, and we'll walk by the seashore. Come with me, leave your boats and your nets Come with me, and together we'll fish for men Come with me, come with me, and we'll sit on a hillside Come with me, feed the hungry with bread Come with me, till your spirit is satisfied Oh, come with me, don't ever leave my side, and like a branch abide in me. Oh, come with me, Buddy, my brother, I'm thankful that you heard that call to come with Jesus, mm. and you've been faithful and used your gift. And I'm proud that you're my friend. Well, same here. God bless Michael. you. Thanks, brother. Good being with you. Mm. But just before you go, when did the songwriting start? Age ten. <laughs> you know, I heard the Beatles, and I loved what that. They okay, well, what do the lyrics sound like when you were ten? You know, I I, I tried to write love songs when I was ten years old, and one of them went. Sure. Um, it was called, uh, you say you will love me, I know that's a lie. You say you will love me, but I see evil in your eye. Tell me what I see. <laughs> and another one called, I love my baby, that's not worth repeating. <laughs> but, but no, you know, I never wrote really good secular material. Even when I became a Christian, it became so depressing because I tried to write truthful. And I'd write these songs that were all about misery and everything. And, Huh. So you set about now to write a song, or it just kind of it just kind of comes to you. 
Well, I think the gospel really liberated me to want, you know, to find a um, a place as a writer and and to write in a sort of unique way. Um, by that time, you know, the st- the, the music was going to sound bluegrassy and and totally unlike anything, at least in the mid '80s, that you were hearing Christian yeah. music delivered in. You know, there was old timey stuff, but I was mm-hmm. writing sort of a contemporary lyric, mm-hmm, yeah. but with old timey music or at least bluegrassy country stuff like that and so that combination was rather unique and then that just fueled me to want to do more of it Mm -hmm. i also had a mentor named bob mckenzie Mm -hmm. died a few years ago but he he really fanned that flame and really encouraged me as a writer and he would he would really look at my songs carefully and you know say you really believe what you wrote in that second (laughs) verse i know that's a good rhyme scheme Mm -hmm. you know Looking back now, uh, just before we say goodbye, looking back, um, what would you say today about why you do what you do? Uh, well, gosh, it's a lifetime for one thing. I mean, I can't imagine doing anything else it, vocationally. I mean, it's just what I do. It's like a plumber. If you'd been a plumber all your life or something, you just, that's what you do. So your dad was, right? My dad was, and I was not, that was for sure. But um, I just think... Um, once the gospel got attached to my music, um, I really felt like, I mean, this is the, this is what I want to do. I want to help people see Jesus through my music, mm. and it'll help me in the process, and it has. Mm. So I want to keep that up as long as I can. Yeah, well, please do. Please thanks. do. Yes, indeed. Buddy Green, thanks for being with us here in the studio with Michael Card today. And it's our prayer that God will speak to you as we open his word and talk with people committed to following him. If this weekly time together is enriching your relationship with Christ, why not take a moment and let us know? It would be a great encouragement to hear your story. Send your comments as well as your questions about the Bible and the Christian life to studio at michaelcard.com. And if you need more information about this program, then join us on the web at michaelcard.com. We're excited about all that's going on with this ministry, and we hope you'll come explore the great resources available for you. And when you join us online, be sure to check out the current news and Michael's tour schedule. There's also special features for those who become members of a section we call the community. And then if you'd like to go back and listen again to this broadcast, go to our radio page for the audio archive. You'll see how you can obtain a CD copy of this or any in the studio program. Transcripts are also available, and as always, there's a complete listing of Michael's books and CDs. Don't forget that his new project on Peter titled A Fragile Stone is now ready to order. Just click for all the details when you stop by michaelcard.com. Our program engineer is Kenny Ferris, our producer Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Card. In the Studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.